I've titled my sermon, Wise Connections, because we will encounter people and we are called into relationships with people. Because you can have a lot of money and you can have a lot of degrees hanging on your wall and a lot of accolades and all your achievements. All of those things really don't mean much if you don't have any real good relationships. And that's why I've titled my sermon, Connections or Wise Connections and How Do We Connect with People Around Us. And of course, James here, once again, later James, James gives, James gives us some practical advice when it comes to relating to people and connecting with people. Here's the thing. I have several friends who work in management, who are in management positions. I have a couple of friends who talk and teach in management in different places. And they tell me, Sid, over the last few years, and this has been for a while, he says success is not defined anymore by, um, let me rephrase this. Yes, profits mark success. But they say success is defined more by the relationships rather than just your balance at the end. And that's true in the marketing, in the secular world. It's so true in the church too. In our lives, in our families, relationships matter. Relationships matter. So turn with me to James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18. James 3, verse 13 through 18. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by the deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, selfish amb- ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come, come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. And the key verse there is verse 18. It says peacemakers, not peacekeepers, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. And that word righteousness is interpreted, in, if you look at different versions, the, the, is goodness really. It's goodness. Reap a harvest of goodness in this case. Sorry, I got a personal comment here. I told Heather I need a bigger Bible. You know, you're growing old when you can't read and that script gets really small. <laughs> She's like, get your bifocals. I'm like, no. <laughs> I told her to get me a large script confession time. I told her, give me something with the larger script. It's embarrassing. But, hey. Peacemakers. We are called to be peacemakers. You're called, you and I called to be peacemakers. Like it on our church, we will always live in relationship to people. Unless the only other thing is if you're abandoned or banished to an island all by yourself. Even then you'll start talking to the stones and the trees and animals around you. 
Because we are made for relationships. And like it or not, every single day we are either investing into relationships or we're taking out of relationships. And that's why the example he says, he uses, it's much like seed that is planted. Seed that is planted. And the truth is we know if we plant good seed, we're going to get a good crop. We know the saying, what? You will reap what you sow. What do we sow into relationships? That's just a question. What do we sow into relationships? And here it says, be a peacemaker. Plant the seeds of peace, if you want to say that. Do you plant, what kind of seeds are you planting in relationships? Seeds of confidence? Seeds of, or is it seeds of insecurity? Seeds of anger? Or is it seeds of real peace? It's up to us, because really, church, at the end of it, what you invest into relationships, that's what you're going to get back. You can't sow apples into someone's life and expect them to produce oranges. We are all been guilty of this. We have said or acted in a per, in a, towards a person in a certain way and expected them to act in a total different way. Why are we surprised when we've sown something and have the results of what we have sown and expect something totally different? We've got to be careful. We've got to be smart. And the word that James uses here is wisdom. Wisdom in relationships. Everything here is in regard to the relationships you have. And he uses the word wisdom. Because the truth is this. There are a lot of smart people out there and may have the highest IQ possible. But they're still not very wise. Not wise at all, because they may be educated with 100 degrees, but that does not add up to wisdom. And if you read this passage, 13 through 18, you see what he actually does three things there. He defines what real wisdom is. Then he actually shows how it differs from human wisdom. And And then he shows how this really operates, how the fruit is seen. And in this passage, he kind of defines that, but I'm going to focus mainly on verse 17. I mean if you look at verse. Uh, sorry backtrack a little. Look at verse uh, 13. He says who is wise and understanding about you. I mean among you. Let him show it by his good life. By deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. He's kind of like James coming to the church and asking us. Hey how many of you are wise. And if you are bold enough to put your hand up. He's going to say okay show me. Show me how. Show me by your good life and by the deeds done in humility. James is all about showing proof of what it means to really have Christ in our hearts. And here he's using the words of wisdom. Not your words, but your works show whether you are really in Christ. Verse 14 through 16, he basically talks about what happens in the lack of wisdom. If you, harbor, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So he tells you what it is to not have wisdom. All this happens there. 
Now we get to verse 17, and that's what I want to really focus on. There's a lot here, but I want to focus really on verse 17. But wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So point number one, wisdom from above, firstly, is pure. It is pure. Wisdom from heaven or wisdom from above is pure. It simply means it's uncorrupted, it's authentic, it's genuine. And the word we can attach to that is integrity. Truly wise people will not compromise their integrity when it comes to relating to other people. If I'm really genuine and authentic, then I am wise. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to cheat you out of something. I will not manipulate you. I will not be deceitful because all relationships are built on trust and respect and honesty, purity. If you don't, this is the truth. If someone is dishonest, can you really trust them and build a relationship with them? No, you can't. And he talks about wisdom. Wisdom is, wisdom is pure, authentic. Kind of interesting thing that I read, Dr. Leonard Keeler, the guy who invented the lie detector, that machine or the test, tested 25,000 people and he came to the conclusion that man is basically dishonest. Wisdom is pure. Honestly, church, the book of wisdom in the Old Testament is Proverbs, and the book of wisdom in the New Testament is the book of James, really. If you can read a chapter of one of them, a few verses from one of them every day, we'll do good. Someone said, no man has a good enough memory to be a habitual liar. Think about that. Because you may lie and fake it for a little while, and what you learned last time is what? Your mouth and your words will betray who you really are. And so wisdom is pure. Number two, it says real wisdom or wisdom from above. It says is peace loving. And the whole idea here, it does not provoke someone. It does not provoke other. It does not antagonize someone else. It won't provoke you to make some uh, mistake or anything of that sort. Sometimes we are good at pressing the buttons on someone else because we want them to get mad. We're good at that. If I want to make you angry, I just press the buttons because I know you well enough and what's going to get you upset. Wise people are peace-loving. Maintaining harmony is basically the idea here. You're peace-loving. Have you ever met someone who's always looking for an argument? I don't like hanging around people like that. Because no matter what I say, they always have something to say that is against what I have to say because they want to pick a fight. Believe me, there are people like that even in the church. No matter what you say, they're always ready to pick and say something that makes you mad. But the Bible actually says a fool starts arguments. If you read the book of Proverbs, it says a fool starts arguments. A wise person stays out of them, basically. You don't want to get into that. What causes arguments? And I have a few lists that I found here. What causes arguments among people and relationships is this. When you start by saying you are just like whatever. 
Or you say, why can't you be like? You start comparing people to someone else and automatically you start an argument. Or when I was your age, I did this. Look what you're doing here. Another way we start arguments is when we say and blame them and you just condemn them. This is all your fault. It's your fault that we did. I mean, we are in this situation. You should be ashamed of yourself. And what you do is you lay the guilt of everything that's happening upon the other person. And you start arguments that way. Another way we really, really start arguments is when we say one thing and we forget and say, do the exact opposite. Contradicting one another. The truth is this, you need to learn to be peace-loving. Peace-loving. If I'm smart and if I value relationships, I will not provoke someone to do something wrong. I won't provoke them to lose their temper. I won't provoke them or manipulate them to do something that I don't have the guts to do myself, but I do the, let him do it. Peace-loving. Peace-loving. I know I have done, growing up I have made a lot of mistakes because I got angry and just got impulsive. We can't make people impulsive because honestly, in our anger, we make mistakes. Number three, it says real, okay, it says real wisdom, wisdom from above, wisdom from heaven is pure, is peace loving. The next thing it says is considerate. That's just such a powerful word because when you're considerate, you're not just thinking about yourself. You're thinking about someone else's feelings too. You're thinking about how someone else feels. And wise people, wisdom from above is considerate. Now let me clarify my statement here because I'm not saying, and I will not, I refuse to live my life in fear that I'm going to upset someone's feelings. I'm not going to live my life like that. But at the same time, I'm not just going to do whatever I want to do without caring at all. I'm not going to go walk around on eggshells because I'm so scared what about hurting someone's feelings. But at the same time, I'm not just going to do my thing and don't care about how they feel. It says real wisdom, wisdom from above is considerate. And here's the real key. When I react to a situation in one way and you may react to it in a total different way. I have decided that I will not look down on you because I won't minimize your feelings. Now your feelings may not be valid at all. But I will not minimize the fact that you do feel something. And that's what being considerate is all about. Being mindful of the feelings of others. I think there's a common mistake. That if I don't feel the way that you feel. Then your feelings must not make sense at all. Your feelings are invalid basically. Because I feel differently than you feel. And we need to be careful. Wise people are considerate. You know, we, we use this phrase all the time. Hey, that, that's just silly. To that person, it may not be silly. To me, for me, I've grown up and like, oh, that's not a big deal. For someone else, it may be a big deal. Don't just go rush off and just say, hey, shut them down. Be considerate of how they feel. Go alongside, teach them how. Wise people are considerate. They don't minimize, minimize. If I'm wise, if we are wise, we will not Shut down people. 
Because the truth is, what does Proverbs say? A cruel word crushes someone, it says. You can destroy. We talked about it last week. Our words can destroy not just a person's life, but a whole history after that. And so we need to be careful. Typically, when we react towards people, people's emotions, you know, we say sometimes in that emotional state, we say things that are hurtful. We make fun of their feelings sometimes. We put down people. And I know why you feel this way and you try and figure out what the problem is. Sometimes they, all they want is for you to hear them out. Be considerate. Don't always be quick to give them an answer. They're not looking for an answer all the time. They just want someone to listen. Be considerate. Wisdom is being considerate. And I feel this so strong, really, in our culture that we have nowadays. That if someone doesn't react the way I react to a particular situation, I look down on them. Happens all the time nowadays. It's just the culture we live in. If that person reacts differently from how I react to a certain situation, I begin to look down on that other person. But we've got to learn to be considerate. You know, one way we do that is I come and tell someone my day is so bad, or someone comes and tells them, you know, I had a flat tire, my boss was mad, and I come and say that, and we automatically try and one-up them. My day was worse than yours. We do that, and I do that sometimes too, and I've got to be careful. That's not being considerate, really. Allow them to express themselves, their feelings. You don't always have to have a worse story than theirs. My story is worse than theirs, yours. I'm more tired than you are. Let's be considerate. True wisdom is considerate. The next thing it talks about, considerate, and then he uses the word submissive. Submissive. True wisdom is submissive, and the word really used there is not about submitting to one another as such. It's talking about being reasonable. It's talking about being reasonable, being open to suggestions. A wise person learns from others. He really learns from others. He's not always defensive. He's open to reason. He's not stubborn and he's willing to learn. Wisdom is submissive. Again, this is the only time this word is used in the New Testament. And again, it's not the idea of submission. But it's the, it's the willingness to dialogue, to listen, to be open to people. I love what the RSV says, the Revised Standard Version. When I read it, it says, it is open to reason. The Living Bible says it allows for discussion. That's what real wisdom is. Real wisdom is submissive. Are you a reasonable person? Now here's a tough one. Can your kids reason with you? Or is it, I'm just telling you to do so. You don't always have to reason with your kids. But listen, if you're wise, you are reasonable. You can't be like that boss who said, don't confuse me with the facts. I've made up my mind. When I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. I know a couple of people like that, you know. They ask for suggestions and you give it to them. It's like, oh, I just, I've already made up my mind. I just wanted to hear what you would do. And I'm like, why did you ask me for my opinion in the first place? A wise person does not minimize the feelings, but they also don't criticize suggestions. Don't always find a fault to prove that your idea is better than everybody else's idea. Be open. That's wisdom. 
a new pastor preaches his first Sunday. When it's all over, a guy walks out to him and he says, Pastor, that sermon really stunk. Pastor's trying to, you know, trying to be open about it and reasonable. He says, why did you think, why, why didn't you like it? He says, in the first place, you just read the whole thing. In the second place, you didn't even read it right. And in the third place, it wasn't worth reading at all. Another guy walks up to him right after this guy and he says, don't worry about this old Jim out here. He just repeats what everybody else says. <laughs> I know, just be open to ideas. If you're wise, you will be open to suggestions. You won't criticize. You will be reasonable. You will be submissive. Please do not. We live in a world that is super defensive. You say something that they don't like and they or something that they don't want to hear and they get all defensive about it because you're not giving them the freedom to be who they are. Just be open about it. A wise person is open to reason. Please do not, do not criticize suggestions even though the suggestion may not be the best suggestion in the world. Be considerate again. Yes, listen to them. Deal gently with them. You don't have to always do everything people say, but be open to it. Wisdom is submissive. The next thing it says, wisdom. Wisdom is full of mercy. Wisdom from above is full of mercy and good fruit. Full of mercy. And I think the idea here is this. Wisdom does not pick. Pick on other people's mistakes all the time. I won't ever beat you down or beat you over the head with your mistakes or hold your mistakes over your head or over you for the rest of your life. But I know a lot of people who do that. The Bible says wisdom from above is full of mercy and good fruit. Do you jump on people as soon as they make that first mistake or stumble and fall and says, I knew that this is what was going to happen anyway. Jump or rub it in their faces as such. Wisdom is full of mercy. And I have told many people who've come to me and talked to me. And I says, I will hold you accountable. But I will never beat you down because of your mistakes. We need to have that same kind of attitude. Hold them accountable, but don't hold their mistakes over their head. Do you ever let people go or do you keep hounding them because of their past mistakes? Do you hold that as leverage? Leverage in such a way that they can never be free no matter how many times they ask for forgiveness. Fortunately, even in the church, you hear people who remember the time you did this and they hold on to it. Use it as leverage as such. Every time a person comes up, and you see this sometimes with parents, and it's kind of sad. Every time a kid does something, you know, and they pull them down right away. But you remember what you did the other day? We can't do that in real relationships. And this is something the Lord really, I feel the Lord revealed to me one time. And I was, I've dealt with several people who've, you know, they've kind of been in conflict, but they want to move on with their lives. And I've prayed with them and talked with them. And I just feel the Lord just revealed this to me. And I want to 
say this and I say this in humility and I want us all to consider this. That sometimes we hold on to something someone said or did in the past as a means to justify our anger or our dislike or a negative attitude towards that person. And I've told them, you don't have to be best friends with them. You don't have to hang out with them every single time. The hurt may not just disappear overnight and the pain will remain for a while. But you've got to learn to forgive and let go. Because that's what mercy is all about. Letting go. Wisdom from above is merciful and good. It won't pick on all your mistakes over and over and over again. That's why God says when you come to him, he forgets it. How far does he put it? As far as the east is from the west. That's our merciful God and wisdom from above is merciful. And we are called to be merciful. Merciful. I've used this several times and if I have here, I don't remember. But sometimes in arguments, especially with family members, we don't get hysterical. We get historical because we remind them of every single thing they did bad. Remind them of how bad they hurt us or how bad they did something. Wisdom is merciful. Turn with me to Proverbs 17 verse 9. Proverbs 17 verse 9. Because sometimes we, I know a lot of people in the world, a lot of people misinterpret this verse. Proverbs 17 verse 9. The New International Version, I'm reading from that. It says, he who covers uh, over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Now, a lot of people think that means you cover for someone else. It's not talking about covering someone else. I like what the New Living Translation says. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. That's the idea here. It's forgiveness that he's talking about in this process. You forgive an offense and you promote love. But dwelling on it separates even close friends. Learn to forgive and forget. Because dwelling on it will separate you from the relationships you have. If you're wise, you will not rub it in people's faces. You won't hold it over their heads. You learn to forgive and move on. Again, you don't have to be best friends with them. But you've learned to move on. When somebody stumbles, please don't be quick to judge. If be, I mean, be quick to encourage. Very often a person who stumbles doesn't need to know, reminded that he has stumbled and fallen. What he needs is a word of encouragement. Let's be quick to encourage. We don't deny what's happened, but at the same time, let's encourage. Quick to encourage. It's important. And like I said, especially in families, we tend to let our guard down and say whatever we want to say to people around us. We need to be careful. Not to be quick to judge, but quick to show mercy, quick to encourage. And he says what? You show good fruit as well. Wisdom shows or has good fruit, full of mercy and good fruit. Fruit, he's talking about the actions that you do. You can't just say, speak forgiveness. You got to really live it. You've got to really live it. Don't just 
say things, do things. That's James's challenge every time. And chapter 2, we talked about it. Mercy triumphs over judgment because mercy is the principle. Mercy is the principle. James says, wisdom from above does not pick on others' mistakes. Number six. The last thing here, it says, full of mercy and good fruit. And then it says, wisdom from above or from heaven is impartial and sincere. Impartial and sincere. And both words actually have the same kind of idea. The word there is un, the feeling, the thought there is unhypocritical. Sincere, unhypocritical. And the idea is, again, about being two-faced. Two-faced, throwing favoritism. Don't be two-faced. Don't say one thing and do the exact opposite. Live one life in front of others and live a totally different life where nobody else is looking. Wisdom is not like that. A wise, and here's the thing, a wise person is not afraid to be vulnerable. He's not afraid to be vulnerable because he is secure in Christ. A mark of a wise person, like I says, he is secure and so he does not have to hide or disguise his own weaknesses. Some suggest this word comes, actually these words here come from Greek theater. And in the Greek theater it was normally just three or four people doing the whole play, playing so many different characters. And what they used to do is they take a mask. Every time they were getting into the character they just put on a different mask. And some people think that's the idea that James is talking about. Putting on a mask. But he says it's impartial and sincere. It cannot be two-faced. You cannot put on a mask on Sunday morning and do something else the rest of the week. Real wisdom. Real wisdom. Is allowing yourself to be vulnerable. You don't try and hide your weaknesses. I've said this before. If you're perfect, this is not the church for you because we're all imperfect people seeking Christ. If you're going to wear masks and really this is not the church for you. This is for real people with real problems. Earnestly seeking God. That's what we're about. Real wise people have nothing to hide because they're honest and open. They're genuine. They're sincere. They're authentic. What you see is what you get. That's what real wise people are. They don't pretend perfection. Wise people don't pretend that they have it all together. If I'm wise, I'm not going to disguise my weaknesses as such. But there are so many phony people, phony relationships, fake relationships. They do whatever they want to to fool or trick people so that people won't really know who they really are. I was thinking about it and the number one place you find this kind of thing is on Friday nights at these bars and these clubs. Fake and phony relationships. When else will someone offer to buy a drink or food for a total stranger? Where is the other place they ever do that? It's only at those places then. You think that's real? I have friends who aren't church people as such and a number of them go hang out. At places on Friday night, of course. Mainly because they want to pick up someone. And so they offer to buy someone else food. And I've heard some of these, the ladies, I mean, these are 
not just young girls these are ladies talk about it they're just going to dress a certain way and then some guy is going to buy them a drink or or dinner and they're going to hang out a little if they like it you never know what happens they say and i'm sitting there shaking my head everybody's on their best behavior because honestly what are they doing faking it because all they want is what they want now here's the thing we can shake our heads about what they do on friday nights but we are guilty of doing the same thing on sunday morning when we come to church we don't come here and fake it to get someone to go with us back home like they do on friday nights but we're guilty of faking it so that people will accept me people will look at me and see how spiritual i am people will look at me and say hey you know what that's a really good christian guy and sometimes we really fake it there's no difference between them and us really if we do the same thing somehow we've glorified one sin over the other but the truth is it's still faking it there is no difference church if we fake it whether you're in a nightclub or in church you're not being sincere wisdom is sincere sincere please don't come to church and pretend it's real it's for real people with real problems let me say one thing cuz this is this is reality and i was thinking about this a lot when you start sharing what your weaknesses are especially in a confidence setting as such you realize that you're not the only one struggling everybody has their own issues that they deal with but you've got to make that step take that step because you're always going to live in fear thinking everybody else is perfect me and I'm the only one struggling and you then you fake it and fake it and try and make it that way but when you are bold enough to stand up and share you realize there are a lot of people who are struggling themselves if i'm wise i will not disguise my weakness people appreciate honesty being like i said being honest and open about everything being honest and open about things and again there's a time and there's a place for everything that's you need to be wise about that too i was at this youth convention as such and the people and the kids this youth were really you know they were really the message was great and they all this guy stood up and he confessed to things that he should not have confessed in front of everybody right there about having impure thoughts of every single girl in the audience and i'm like what are you doing you got to be wise about that too wise but be honest and open people appreciate people appreciate honesty let's read again that passage from verse 13 who is wise and understanding among you let him show it by his good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts do not boast about it or deny the truth such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthly unspiritual and demonic for where you have envy and selfish ambition say that there you find disorder and every evil practice please let me say that that's even possible in the church when we all about ourselves envy and selfish ambition 
And then verse 17, it says, but wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. As I conclude, I want to ask the question, how do you measure up to the wisdom that he describes right here? How do you measure up to what he is saying? Is the wisdom pure if you consider yourself wise? Is it pure or do you use people, manipulate people, use them for what you want to get done? Are you peace loving or do you provoke people, press the buttons that you know is going to set them off? Do you do that? Are you considerate? Because if I'm wise, I will not minimize the way you feel. Because honestly, feelings are not right or wrong, really. You know, though I may not feel it like the way you feel it, your feelings are real. And I, I'm going to honor those feelings. I'm not going to minimize it. Are you submissive? Is the wisdom you have submissive, reasonable? You're able to discuss and have suggestions, take suggestions, or do you just criticize any suggestion just because it's not your suggestion? If I'm wise, I won't pick on all your mistakes. Emphasize your mistakes. I won't rub it in your face or hold it over your head. Wisdom is impartial and sincere. I don't try and hide all the faults that I have. A wise person, like I said, he's vulnerable, open. You see what you get. And how do I get wisdom? That's the point I think James addresses right in the beginning. If anyone lacks wisdom, what do they have to do? Ask God. I don't know about you guys, but I think all of us really need a dose of wisdom. Not just, it's not just a one-time thing that you do. Okay, oh, it's a New Year's resolution. That's not how wisdom works. We ask God daily for wisdom. Because we will meet people. Unless you work all by yourself in the basement of your house, you will meet people. And you need wisdom to relate with them. May your wisdom be pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, not peck, picking on people and be sincere. Bow your heads with me. If anyone lacks wisdom, the Bible says, let him ask God. That's what, I mean, we read that in James in the beginning. Because here's the thing. Wisdom is a gift from God. It really is a gift from God. That's why you need to pray. And I've prayed this prayer several times. God, give me wisdom. Let me say this. You can never have enough wisdom. There's always more. I realized a long time ago, if I am loving and I'm wise, I think I can make it in life. But I realize I don't have the ability to love unless I realize how much God really loved me. It's the same thing with wisdom. It's a gift. Ask God. And then it says in that, who gives generously. Gives generously. Please don't get confused between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is from education. Wisdom is from God. 
To get knowledge, you have to look around. To get wisdom, you've got to look up. I like what one person says, knowledge comes from reason, wisdom comes from the revelation of who God is. Wisdom is a gift, church, and we all need it. And the secret, it starts with Christ. Because if you read Colossians, Colossians 2.3 says, The secret is Christ himself, for in him lies hidden all God's treasures of wisdom. The wisest thing you can ever do is see Christ. And from him, you will get wisdom. Lord, I pray, God, as we go about our lives, God. We know we're going to meet people and encounter people, God. Help us realize, God, that at the end of it all, it's not how much we have in our bank account or how much education we have. It's how much we have invested into relationships that really come back. Lord, give us wisdom, God, as we relate with people, Lord. Pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and sincere. Give us your wisdom, Lord. So let's stand to our feet and worship God.